Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, along with Brady Boyd, senior pastor here at New Life Church, joined today by Daniel Grothy and Glenn Packiam. Guys, as much as we'd like it to be otherwise, a transition is a constant reality in the local church. People's gifts and callings develop beyond their job descriptions, seasons change, and all of a sudden the happy equilibrium that we had in our team is being gloriously disrupted by the Spirit's work. So let's talk for a few minutes today about the power of a healthy transition. And to get us started here, Brady, why don't you tell us a bit about your transition from Gateway Church to New Life? Well, as you said, transitions are inevitable in every team, not only on church teams, but in the marketplace. People come and people go, right? And how those transitions happen can affect the health of the team and can determine, quite honestly, in a business world, it can affect the profit margins of that business. But in the church world, it can affect something more valuable than that, and that's the unity of the team, because we know that the Holy Spirit moves in places of unity. And so we want unity. We want peace. We want these transitions to go well, but they don't always go well. Uh, Ten and a half years ago, I was working at Gateway Church in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I was on a prayer retreat with the other elders, and the Lord really made it clear to me that I was about to transition away from Gateway, a church that I love. I still love them, a church that I'd helped start with Robert Morris. Robert Morris was a senior pastor, but I was on his team and had helped put together a lot of the ministries there. So I had a lot of equity there. I had a lot of skin in the game, right? I had, I'd put a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and prayers into the church. So to leave that church was a massive decision. And I took a giant risk one day. I stood in front of Robert and the elders, and I said, I think my time is up here. However, I want to leave with your blessing. I want to be sent from this place. So how does that happen? I don't want to leave with a word from God, you know. With a, uh, I think that word from God would be confirmed by them. And so I took this giant risk mm. and involved them in the process of me leaving the team. And I learned in that process that it could go well, that transitions do not have to be bloody, they don't have to be disruptive, they don't have to be combative. And in fact, transitions can be gloriously beautiful if we will embrace it, right? So to his credit, Robert Morris, who is still a very dear friend of mine, helped me leave in a good way and literally laid hands on me, prayed me out of Gateway Church so that when I arrived here at New Life, I arrived in good shape and healthy condition. Another a metaphor or story that I could share is how you transplant a tree. Mm-hmm. So if you find a, a healthy living tree that you want to uproot from one place and put in another place, the way you dig around those roots, the way you uproot that tree will determine whether or not that tree survives in a different place, a different soil that it's going to be placed in, right? There's a there's actually a great science behind uprooting plants and putting them in other soil. I think the same is true about uprooting human beings from one team and placing them in another team. I love, Brady, that you talked about involving the leadership, involving the elders in that decision, because a lot of times, I think when transitions get messy, or when people come with a predetermined future, I've already decided what I'm going to do. And the whether, Lord told me. Yeah, and whether you agree or not, this is what I'm going to do. But when you leave, you kind of come open-handed saying, look, there is a conviction, and yet I want you to confirm. Or you know, Then I think an ending can become ascending. You, know, you give people a chance to send you into the next season or send you into the next place 
rather than what are you what are you leaving them with if you say I've I've, I've already decided. Were you surprised that they were so open with you? Like when you came to them and I mean, I'm sure that there was a, a nerves accompanying that, but when you presented, like, I think that my season's done and it was well-received, was that a surprise to you? It was not a surprise because Robert had made it clear to me that, well, I mean, me use one of his sayings. I thought this is a very Texas saying because Gateway Church is in Texas, but he used to say to me, if you have to put a leash on a dog, they're not your dog. In other words, if they don't follow you without being forced to follow you, they're yeah. not really following you. Yeah. And so Robert would always say that. In fact, I think Robert noticed early on in my time with him that I was going to be a senior pastor again. And he would say to me, Brady, if you ever feel a calling or a stirring to be a senior pastor, just tell me. I've heard horror stories from churches where staff people were never allowed to even bring up the idea of a transition. They were pretty much shown the door. I've always said that no one should be punished for considering other opportunities. And if the senior pastor has to lead the way in this area, and if you're in the business world, then the CEO, the managers have to lead the way. Listen, I think there's something spiritual about this as well. If you let good people go in a godly way, I have always found that God sends you godly people to replace them. But if we don't care for people, if we don't care about their overall health, if we care more about our business or care more about the church than we care about the people inside those businesses and churches, then we have missed out on a giant issue in the kingdom of heaven. It's people matter to God, and it matters how we treat people. Yep. So Robert treated me well, and it did require an honest relationship. That is, that's no doubt. Steward, not owner, is what I hear you saying, Brady, is that, that the Lord calls us to steward people, but not to own people. And I want to just talk about transitions within an organization here for a minute, because this happened to me five years ago. Something was stirring in my heart. I'd been at New Life for almost eight years, and I was leading a college and 20-somethings ministry, but I felt that that time was ticking. There was an expiration date on that, but that was scary because the institution that I was leading had been around the church for 15 years. Mm. So I'm thinking, gosh, uh, what do I do? So Brady, you made it easy for me because you came to me and you said, I'm going to say about once or twice a year, Daniel, how are you doing? Where are you at? What do you need? What's season of life? You told me you were going to check in twice a year. So you made it easy for me. Can you talk about how to lead transitions within an organization? How does that work? How does it not? Well, we have to, I think it's part of the responsibility we have as leaders is to recognize God's gifting and calling on the people that are around you. And I have found that the greatest joy that I've had as a leader is to find out what's going on inside of Daniel Grothy or Glenn Packiam or Andrew Arndt. What's going on inside of you guys? And then my role is not to manipulate that for my benefit, but to actually call it out so it manifests for the greater good. So what's going on in Glenn Packiam? What's happening in Daniel Grothy? And how can I call out those giftings and those talents so that they thrive? And ultimately, the church, and in this case, the church, but in, in the business world, your business would thrive. Here's the big question. Did God build your team or not? If you're the one who built your team, then you're going to have to manipulate or yeah. bribe them to stay. If you're the one that went out and found them and recruited them and did it. But if you see God's hand in this process, see, I believe God brought Glenn and Daniel and Andrew to New Life Church. I see the hand of the Lord on the three of you being here. That takes a great deal of pressure off of me that I don't have to manipulate you or bribe you or threaten you to keep you around here. Because if God brought you here and you are godly men, 
then you're going to stay around as long as you're supposed to. But when it's time for you to leave, also have to recognize that the same God who called you here may one day call you away from here. And being okay with both of those things is very important. So how do you know when you've got people whose gifts or their callings are starting to exceed their job description or their station, how do you know when it's time to build new ministry around them, create new space for them, versus it's actually time for you to step away from this ministry or this church altogether? Is there a way that you suss that out in your own head? So it's getting entrepreneurial versus your time here is done. I'll tell a story about that. I I think maybe... uh, a messier way than it <laughs> than we would have liked for it to turn out is about nine years ago or so, Brady called me into his office because he found out that I had <laughs> taken a staff member to go scout another city in our state as a possible location for a church plant. And this was in 2009. I had gone on a sabbatical earlier that spring. My wife and I had felt the stirring to step out of the more worship-oriented role and into a teaching pastoral, maybe lead pastoral sort of role. And so that summer, we had visited a, you know, a location somewhere in the state of Colorado, and we had taken a staff member with us. And so that could have been an occasion where you could have come down heavy and said, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is grounds for you know, dismissal or discipline or whatever. But after telling me not to do that, <laughs> you said, you asked me, you said, Glenn, what's in your heart? Is this in your heart to plant a church, to be a senior pastor or a lead pastor? And I said, yeah, I do feel the beginnings of this calling. I don't feel like I'm ready for that, but I do feel the beginnings of the stirring. And that's when, so not only did you look beyond the mistake or the messy way that that manifested itself and you, you dug it out, but you also encouraged it. You said, okay, I see that too. And so why don't you start the Sunday night service? And that's how we began the Sunday night service in the fall of 2009. So it was the creation of a new ministry within our church that didn't happen in the neatest, cleanest way, but it happened because we have a leader who's gracious and attentive. You know? Well, thank you. I think a lot of senior pastors take those things personally when they should not. I mean, I could have taken that. I, I could have said, well, Glenn doesn't want to be with me. He doesn't believe in my vision. If you're not with us. You're against us. Exactly. I've heard that. <laughs> and I know we're joking about that, but that's quite honestly the kind of the hovering cloud over a lot of staffs that if you're not completely loyal, if you have any kind of thoughts about leaving, then you somehow have become disloyal. And And to answer your question, Andrew, you don't want people on your team that aren't heart and soul sold out for the team, right? You don't want to have to manipulate somebody to stay around or to keep them happy. I mean, I think there's a lot of pastors that just try to keep people happy, to keep them there as long as they can. Well, you're not getting the full benefit of their giftings, and you're not getting the full benefit of their time and their emotions and their talents. And I just think that's terrible. I think it's a terrible way to lead the church. And so finding out what's stirring in your heart. You know, as we get older, our passions and, and interests change. I mean, yep. what, what, what's passionate to us in our 20s yeah. is probably not going to be passionate and as important to us in our 40s mm-hmm. because our energies change, our skill set has shifted, and just recognizing the seasons of life that staff people are going through, the team is going through. And, and you know, I, I see the senior pass role kind of like a point guard on a basketball team or a quarterback on a football team, yep. getting the ball to the right person and setting them up to hit the shot or or putting the football in the right place so they can make the catch and score the touchdown. We have to set people up to succeed, and that requires constant conversation, constant relationship. And if relationship is not there, 
then none of this will happen. If you know the, the thing that helped Glenn and I and Daniel and I have these two conversations is even though it was early in my tenure here, we had learned to some degree to trust one another. Mm-hmm. All of this is based on trust and communication. Those two things. If you don't trust one another and you're not regularly talking about it, then it, these kind of things will not happen intentionally. That's a good segue into, the, I want to talk more practically here. Take us inside a successful, a healthy transition. What are some key elements of that? Well, I, I think, first of all, like I said, communicate early and often. I, You know, Daniel and I recently were on a trip, uh, even just last week, and and I, I said, Daniel, two or three times a year, I'm going to bring up to you what's going on with you, because he's leading a great congregation for us, our Friday night congregation here at New Life, and it's thriving, it's 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 growing, it's, it's flourishing, and everything around Daniel right now is flourishing. And I say, well, Daniel, are you happy? Are you satisfied? Do you do you feel like God's got you in the best place possible? Do you feel like all your gifts are being used? So just having those conversations early and often and just bring everything into the light. That's what I tell yes. people. Don't, don't, Glenn made a great point a minute ago. Let me tell you, if you're a young leader today, the most frustrating thing you can do is to come to your business owner, the, the CEO, or even the senior pastor like myself and have already made up your mind and you're announcing something to us. We want, actually, I want to be a part of the decision. I want to be helpful. But if you've already made up your mind and you've already got your whole road planned in front of you and you come announce it to me and kind of give me a two-week notice, number one, it shows that there's a, a lack of trust and a lack of relationship. So I know it's a big risk sometimes to bring this up. But let me tell you what happens. Two things happen. If you bring up the fact that you're wanting to go through a transition, one of two things will happen. You'll either be able to transition in a healthy way or you will see that maybe the transition was just a little boredom and you're actually your heart will grow more fond for the work that you're doing. And so both processes are healthy and good, but communicate early and often, number one. It's wonderful. I love that. I, I think that a lot of the temptation for a lot of young leaders would be to sort of st- hold it up and then make the announcement. And one of the things that you disadvantage yourself with in that case is that nobody has equity in the decision that you've made. And so wherever you're going on to next, you've actually destroyed the possibility that there was community and discernment around it. So I love that about the communicating early and often. Any any other elements of a successful transition you want to talk about? I think once the decision's been made, let's just say in, in this case that one of you has decided it really is time to go somewhere else outside of this team, and we've agreed on it. I mean, it's been prayerfully considered. We've brought maybe the elders into the decision. We've got some wise counsel and you and me, the, all of us agree, yes, this is, this is the right thing to do. I think the next big decision is the timeline because there's two ways to transition, too early or too late. <laughs> and, and what we want is just right. So leaving too early means I, I'm giving you a two-week notice. I'm gone. Good luck finding my replacement. I'm going to leave you with a lot of extra work and burden in my transition. That's a bad leaving. That's not good for you. It's not good for the team. It's not good for the people we're pastoring. It's not good for the organization that we're a part of just to leave suddenly like that. Don't create a crisis. Yeah, two weeks' notices are hardly ever wise. Uh, Very rarely does that work. That's almost like a firing. But in this case, we've agreed on you that you're leaving. Let's, let's, Let's be joyful about it. So agree on a timeline, but it's also important not to stay around too long. Yes. Because once your heart has left an organization, I have found this to be true in the 22 years I've been a pastor, that once you have said, I'm leaving, rarely is it possible for you to stay more than six months to a year. I mean, I mean a year is just way too long because, you know, your heart's gone. And once your heart leaves, then you're not going to give your best creativity, your best energies, your best passions— 
And so agree on a, a timeline that's good for you and good for the team. What do you guys think? What's your thoughts on that? I think that's really true. I mean, we've definitely seen it where people have begun to make a decision in their hearts and you're praying with them about it. And then they just sort of want to buy more time. And, you know, it might seem cold to accelerate the timeline. I mean, I think odds are on the end of the of the leadership, you're going to want to make that timeline a little shorter than the person who's leaving. Sure. I, at least in our experience, it's been like that. And so it might feel cold-hearted to say, no, we're not going to do a year from now. We're going to do six months from now or three months, you know. But in the end, I mean, the other side of it is you're trusting the Lord for them, and you you might be the one that the Lord uses to kick them into gear a bit, you know, to go chase that dream, go say yes to that call. You know? yeah, get the eaglet out of the nest, yeah. right? It's time for you to fly. You're, there's not enough room for both of us anymore, right? I think yeah. if I could speak to older leaders, I'm 35 years old, and I have a lot of young friends in ministry who are coming into this season of discerning the call of God, and they're coming into their strength, and they're gifting, and now it's the time to start stretching their wings and seeing if they could do this. So many of them are scared out of their minds. And because there's the threat of punishment, there's the threat of losing my wage, will my family be okay? And so because the guys in this room, we've experienced the, the healthy side of that, uh, what I want to say to some of you leaders who are in positions of helping discern with your 35-year-olds what their life should look like, try to be a mom and a dad. <laughs> Parents segue their kids. They transition their kids well. They don't leave them in a lurch. And so it, it, it really, the onus is on the leader to create a safe environment for people to share their hearts. The onus is on the young ones to respect and to honor and not to come say, this is what God told me. Right, right. Um, don't leave anywhere. Be sent. When the older act like parents and when the younger act like honoring children and you live with your hearts open to each other and put all your chips on the table, I'm telling you, there can be really good stuff to come from this. One more piece of practical advice. That's beautiful, Daniel. I totally agree that one of the reasons that young leaders act probably uh, selfishly are in a difficult way is because they've not they're not been in an environment where moms and dads yep. have welcomed yeah. the conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's a two-edged sword. I yep. totally agree with that. The last bit of practical advice I can give is for both parties to tell the same story. Mm -hmm. And this is so important for the health of the organization, the health of the church. And we've had people leave our team before. And in that final meeting that I have with them, here's a question that I ask. People are going to ask you why you're leaving the staff. What are you going to tell them? They're going to pull you aside and kind of want the inside information. Give us the real story. Yeah, tell us yeah. what really happened there. Uh, and in some ways, they just want to hear some gossip, or maybe they are suspicious, or whatever it is. But I'm going to I say to the young leader, what are you going to tell people about you leaving? What are you going to say? And then this is what I follow up. I said, because that's what I'm going to tell people. When they ask me why you left, I would like for you and I to tell the same story. Now, obviously, I want it to be the truth. Uh, I want it to be honest and sincere. I want to share as much information as is necessary and wise without sharing too much information. If it was a difficult leaving or transition, I want to cover them and bless them. Uh, I don't want to disparage someone's reputation on the way out the door. But at the same time, I don't want them to disparage us either, the church. So I think it's really important for both parties to agree on the narrative, on the story. I love this scripture in Proverbs 18, 17. It says, the first to present his case seems right till another person comes forward and questions him. You know, like there's two sides to every story is what I, I tell people. And oftentimes you only hear one side of the story and it sounds bad. It doesn't sound right. But when you go talk to the other person about why they left, you, it all starts making sense then. And so I think to help 
tone down the gossip and the slander and the misunderstanding, it's important to have that last final conversation with people and make sure that you agree on the details of the leaving so that it can be presented in a, in a healthy, unifying way. Yeah, I think the unity is the important thing there, that this is done out of unity. It was done in community. It's done in a spirit of unity. It seems to me, and I like this part of your story, that one of the fruits of that unity, if you do it in the right way, is that it doesn't just benefit the person who's transitioning, but it actually benefits the churches that are involved yep, in the transition. Yeah. So can you Absolutely. talk about that for a second? You had a successful transition from Gateway to new life that's actually created some measure of relationship between those churches. And yeah. that's a product of that. Multiplied strength. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, everyone loves a wedding and everyone hates a divorce for a reason. Weddings are two people coming together in love and unity and, and matrimony, right? A divorce is a nasty separation. And the church is known more for its divorces than its marriages. And in this case, Gateway saw me coming to new life as a wedding that they weren't losing a staff member, they were gaining a family of people in Colorado, and they saw it that way, and that's what's happened. So 10 and a half years after I left Gateway, I still go back there and speak. Pastor Robert comes here and speak. When he comes here, people cheer him. When I go back to Gateway, people cheer for me to come back. It's like I tell people, it's like a, a grown kid going back to their parents' house. It's not their home anymore, but there's a lot of great memories. Uh, the house seems you know, bigger than it did when you were a kid. It seems better. That's what the church should look like. We so should good. celebrate weddings and marriages with these kinds of separations rather than divorces. And I think that's possible. I think the church benefits when people learn to transition well. So good. I want to say a word to young leaders who may be in an organization where there's a couple layers of leadership. Mm-hmm. So we've told stories where Daniel and I have had the benefit of having direct access to you as the senior pastor, Brady. But there could be some young leaders where they're a couple layers down and they feel stuck with that. And sometimes the messiest transitions are when people don't feel like they have access to senior leadership. And so then they just take the shortcut and say, well, fine, I'm out. And what I sometimes think about in those situations is the story of Daniel and the prison guard in Babylon. You know, so the prison guard says, hey, you, this is what you're supposed to be eating. The king said you're supposed to eat this, this kind of food. And Daniel basically says, look, I know your middle management. <laughs> you don't have a choice here. You know, you're, 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 doing you're, what you're, you're just told. relaying orders. I get it. I don't want to make you lose your head or your job. But let's do this. Let me test if there's another way to achieve the objective that your boss wants. So in other words, Daniel knows that the king's objective is that Daniel would be brilliant and, and, and bright and, and sharp. And so he says, the king thinks that the way to get to that is by eating meat. But I think the way to get to that is vegetables and fruit or whatever, you know. So what I'm saying to young leaders is try to understand the heart of your senior leader. Try to understand the vision and the goal that they have in mind. And if you're feeling a different direction than that, don't just balk at the middle manager who's between you and say, no, I'm doing it my way. Say, you know what, would you be open to considering this and test and see? And that's what Daniel says, test and see if this will work. And if it, if it doesn't, okay. But if it does, hey, everybody wins here. Look for the ways for everybody to win. That's great advice because it's so easy for young leaders to go black and white. Yes. So they start feeling some burgeoning conviction and calling and they go, well, we're not doing that here, so this isn't the place for me. Right. And I love the nuance of that. It's so important. And I think if you're scared to tell your story, if you're scared to raise the flag and to let people know you're sensing something, write a letter. 
because you can communicate your heart. You can edit the document. You can say, what do I think? What do I feel? What do I not feel? And begin to test it there in your own heart, live with it in prayer before the Lord, and then bring it forward. And if you'll let that process unfold in you, I think you will have measured twice and cut once and done it right. Brady, I want our closing word today to be from you towards senior pastors. What do they need to cultivate spiritually to try to create a community in which healthy transitions can occur? One thing I have learned, when I am willing to send out good leaders, I am sent good leaders. And there is a fear inside of senior pastors' hearts that if I send out my best people, that I'm going to be left with a deficit. And that's not true. I think the same way we teach about generosity with resources and time, we should also be generous with our team. And I can tell you, Andrew Arndt is one of those examples. Yep. I mean, you're, you're a perfect example, Andrew. You weren't even on our radar screen three or four years ago, but we planted young leaders all over Colorado and all over the world. We have planted churches and sent out great leaders and blessed them and sent them out. And then we look up one day and the Lord sends us Andrew Arndt, who uh, you're such a great young leader. And you're, you're the perfect example of that. So you send out great leaders and the Lord will then trust you with other leaders. The way I handle the souls of these young leaders will determine whether or not God can trust me with the souls of other leaders. And so send out and you will get more back. That's just the bottom line. It's the kingdom of heaven. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Mm